Three, two, one, and going live. Almost there, live. Well, I, there you go. I haven't said well, I for a while. There you go. That's my northern twang coming out in me there. Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World with a little bit of northern twang today. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Amitha Pujala, who is the VP of product for AI, video and platform and video APIs uh, at uh, Vonage. And I'm also joined by Lawrence Bird, who's the director of the communications APIs at Vonage as well. Uh, Amitha, Lawrence, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you. Thanks for Nice to have you here. Um, so we're going to get into a really good conversation about the Vonage AI Studio. We're going to be able to pick your brains about your observations on trends in the market and uh, all that kind of stuff, challenges around developing and building conversational AI solutions. Uh, can't wait to dive into this. For those of you who are diehard VUX World fans, you will recall the conversation we had with Noam Fine. Uh, I think it was like a year and a half ago or something like that. We had Noam yeah. on, and um, so for context, for those of you that are not aware, Noam founded a company called Over AI, and Over AI was a conversational AI platform. It was acquired by Vonage, and we interviewed Noam. I think it was, I don't think it was right when it was acquired, but it was not too long after, I don't think. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, seems as though over the, sorry, go on, go on, Lawrence. Yeah, it was January 2021. So when we acquired Over.ai in 2019, so we, we'd been, right. been getting going within Vonage, which was good. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. So yeah, so over the last, uh, few, I would say, year and a half or so, then and, and before before then, uh, there's been a lot of work going on by the sounds of things. And now Vonage AI Studio is is a thing. It's published. It's out there in the world. People can go and check it out, which we'll encourage you to do so. And we'll get into the conversation uh, about that, which I'm excited for. Um, before we do crack on, I want to let you know that the Voice Summit, VUX World at Voice, is coming up, and it's in not too long now. It's on uh, October the 10th through to the 12th, but VUX World at Voice is on October the 11th. Um, Vonage are going to be there. We've got Ericsson there. We've got AWS there. We've got uh, Core AI, presented by Core AI. We've got Speakeasy, which has recently been acquired by Verint, so now it's technically Verint. Uh, we're going to be sharing case studies of enterprise that have been implementing conversational AI in their contact center and we're going to be helping you do exactly the same thing automating your customer experience using conversational AI you do not want to miss it a full day of programming we've got a bunch of networking events going on as well in and around that and so if you are interested if you haven't got your ticket yet and you want to make a last minute ditch for the plane then go to voicesummit.ai and use the promo code VUX20 to save 20% on your tickets there is some tickets left uh, but we cannot promise that they'll be there when we do this broadcast next week so voice summit.ai and uh, promo code vux20 so with that let's get into the conversation but maybe first we'll do we'll do a bit of an introduction for those people who are new uh, to vonage maybe zamitha will start with you and will give us a little bit of a background around you know yourself what you do at vonage and for context for the couple of people who might not know what vonage is tell us what vonage is Sure, sure. Hello all, whoever is watching. My name is Amita Pilejala. I'm the VP of Product at Vonage for uh, AI, Video APIs and Platform Services. Um, my background is essentially in engineering and technology. And uh, before joining Vonage, actually I spent many years in the digital customer experience space. And I've seen the industry transform from providing a more reactive customer experience to truly understanding the customer needs and crafting AI-driven um, digital experiences, right, through various chatbots, voice bots, uh, text, video, and uh, and it is that combination of insights from multiple channels uh, that's driving deeper customer engagements. So, in this process, uh, I've seen many many companies. Uh, trying to innovate. So they want to serve their customers better. They want to move faster. They want to beat the competition. And what else uh, can you get to go faster than, to innovate than APIs, right? So, and that was my inspiration to join Vonage. And as you know, Vonage uh, has been in the communication space. Vonage has APIs and apps. Um, and uh, at Vonage, uh, AI is core to our Vonage communications platform that powers both our APIs and applications. 
And um, our customers use our APIs to build applications. So it, it is a natural extension for us to explore uh, and expose AI interfaces. And we have been on this journey. And as you said, uh, uh, you had this interview with Gnome um, a few years ago. So we have been on this journey for a few years now with chatbots, virtual assistants, and we have learned a lot uh, on the way. And uh, we are still learning a lot with every experience. And I can't wait to share more about what we have, what AI Studio is all about and so on. So that's nice. where I'll Nice one. Thank you. And what about yourself, Lawrence? What do you do at Vonage? Uh, and what brought you stateside? Because you were originally from the UK, is that right? Yes, I'm now in Silicon Valley, but once upon a time, I used to be uh, English, uh, but I gave it up and became <laughs> Californian. Um, I uh, brought up in the south of England. I went to Durham uh, and then Edinburgh. And if you keep going north, you end up in California. And uh, uh, what brought me to the United States was artificial intelligence. So I was part of the 1980s. I'm old enough. Uh, boom and bust of the first wave of AI that failed and disappeared. So I'm a strong believer in Jeffrey Moore's crossing the chasm theory, which is technologies have to cross this chasm because I saw an entire industry go down the chasm and you couldn't use the word AI for several decades to name any product. And and now you're, you're, you're not being proper if you don't name every product having something to do with AI. So these days I work at uh, Vonage in, in APIs, marketing and evangelizing our APIs. And, uh, and looking at how the new wave of making conversations smarter uh, can be used by our customers. APIs are great fun because your customers are really smart people trying to build innovative applications all over the place. You know, some of them fail, many of them succeed, and it, it really is a, 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 you know, a, a playground of interesting applications. So that's what's fun about being at Vonage. Mm, nice. I suppose I'd be, I'd be interested, maybe Zamitha, in your in why you would think that it is, or why you said that it's a a natural extension for Vonage to look at AI services, because it kind of feels like a natural extension for some. If you look at a lot of the you know other CCAS providers, for want of a better word, uh, including Vonage, you've got kind of like you're having conversations. So there's technology that facilitates conversations between humans, and therefore it feels as though it's the right thing to do to be able to look at ways in which you can streamline or automate those conversations. Um, so is, is that what you meant by the natural kind of extension? Or is it something else to do with the fact that AI services being accessed via APIs and it's a natural extension of the API suite? What, which kind of, what did you mean? I should say both, right? And we, as you said, we have seen uh, many uh, vendors in the industry who have uh, CCAS solutions and, and definitely it's a natural extension for them because I think we have been talking about AI in context of a contact center for a long, long time, right? However, uh, um, if you think about APIs, and what API, what our customers using APIs, they really do is they innovate. They come up with several different use cases and uh, not just one API, right? Multiple APIs. So we have uh, SMS APIs, voice APIs, and uh, video APIs. So we have customers building text applications or messaging applications, voice applications, video applications. And when they start blending some of uh, these different channels together to provide that kind of engagement to customers, that is where the power of uh, AI comes into picture. Basically, that is where you are creating uh, the conversation between different channels to engage the customer, right? And you are injecting or infusing AI into these moments of conversations. And this is where we feel that natural extension. So it's not just isolated to the contact center use case, but to any uh, innovative application that these API customers come up with. So just to sort of give you an extension of where this uh, uh, natural thing came in and, and why did we even start thinking about uh, AI in, in context of uh, APIs, right? So we do have, uh, as, as, as I was saying, we, we do have AI and we started with AI with over AI acquisition and uh, we, st we, we were building chatbots, we were building virtual uh, assistants in conjunction with our uh, Vonage applications, CCAS and UCAS applications. 
uh, on the other side, right? So we have thousands of customers uh, of every size um, across huge breadth of industries. And these are API customers. And we talk to them about solutions that they need to improve communications with their own customers. And what do they, uh, what do they need? Uh, and what do they need to make their applications more efficient? And what do they keep building over and over, right? Be because when we talk about APIs, we are talking about builders, right? So we are thinking about what, what are they trying to build over and over? And what do they actively do not want to build because it's too heavy of a lift, right? And these are the conversations that inform us what we need to build. And I like to highlight three points here. Right. Uh, the first one is the one thing uh, that we saw in this process of discovery is that our customers who are developers are essentially building experiences right, with, with our APIs across different channels, as, as we talked across uh, messaging, voice, video uh, and different uh, channels. And basically, the need of the hour is to introduce that conversational intelligence into these interactions. Uh, and the ability to know precisely what the intent of the customer is uh, from these multimodal conversations and make them more engaging. And, and that's the reason I said AI is the natural extension uh, of the communication here. And the second one is really the operational challenge, right? So when it comes to operationalization of anything around conversational AI within uh, an enterprise, uh, one of the biggest challenges is scaling, right? Uh, it's scale limitations because of the complexity of the area and heavy dependency on AI engineers, data scientists, or even external professional services. Um, and if we bring in that self-serve, low-code, no-code features to the platform, it'll allow for speed of that implementation uh, and more control in hands of the business users ease of use and addressing these scale challenges, right? It's almost like democratization of the AI, if you will. Uh, and, and the third one here is really, there are aspects of uh, processing text uh, and voice, right? So it's, it's, it's essentially the automatic speech recognition, text to speech, uh, which help us in these multimodal AI conversations. And the goal here for us is to provide a, a wide breadth of co consistency of conversational experience across these multiple channels. Um, so uh, basically taking the voice and, and voice is just more than uh, the speech to text, right? So taking the voice and uh, taking, um, uh, integrating uh, this with a human, uh, getting the uh, intent and, and correlating all together is not an easy thing, right? It's, it's definitely complex. It requires uh, AI engineers and it requires R&D investments. And that's where we bring this out as um, APIs, that uh, APIs and tools that we can expose to our customers and they build um, their applications over it, right? So um, in, in fact, actually, we are um, essentially uh, talking about one, really helping our customers design their communication flow. And that's where the AI studio comes in, where we provide a user interface uh, where they can design uh, the, uh, the flow across different multiple channels like WhatsApp, A APIs, uh, HTTP chat, and so on. Uh, and then there is this um, analytics, right? The, capability of using the NLU uh, APIs so that they can build these um, natural conversation workflows. Uh, and we provide these pre-built templates and so on so to help our customers uh, build their workflows. And then there is uh, the aspect of, you know, bringing all together, right? So you have insights, you have data from multiple channels, you have um, your entities created, you have your intents created. So how do you make uh, uh, all that actionable, right? Whether you want to take that as, as part of the sentiment analysis or uh, deeper customer engagement. And, and these are the things that we want to bring out with uh, our AI solutions. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, so the AI studio from 
hearing I know I've I've seen it so I'm familiar with it, but kind of like I suppose in summary of, of what you were saying there, the AI studio is an environment where it's taken the heavy lifting out of developers for building conversational applications by um turning into APIs some of those tasks that would have been repetitive or arduous and also in bringing together all of that conversational AI technology into one place with it being inside the Vonage infrastructure it gives you the flexibility then to be able to deploy conversational solutions into whatever channel you kind of want to I suppose um mm-hmm. the the question maybe Lawrence will come to you the Vonage is a company that has infrastructure that people can just build anything they want on top of and so you know it it's it's you can basically build a company on top of Vonage APIs if you wanted to and lots do and so if i was to utilize the example of like lemonade the insurance company in the us that basically runs on conversational ai um is the ai studio in the same way as the Vonage suite of APIs generally are used by developers to build products and services that could be essentially a business on top of it, is the aim of the AI studio to do the same thing and give rise to other lemonades, which is businesses built on conversational AI, or is it more focused predominantly on integrating with the CCAS component to automate call center conversations? How would you describe where it fits? I would say we're doing both, but the former, and I'm going to come to that, is absolutely important. Uh, But Bonage is somewhat unique in that we sell unified communication solutions, we sell contact center solutions, and we sell the underlying APIs. So, And we also sell a new area that maybe we'll mention called conversational commerce, which is something particularly coming out of Asia and into Europe, is you can buy everything through messages, whether it's uh, uh, WhatsApp or Facebook or whatever it is, with your thumbs, you complete the entire transaction. So that's a commerce uh, use case. But we aim to invest in both the API level and the application level. So we have contact center customers who are using, um, we are typically helping them, but we're using AI Studio as a way of building their applications for them. But the fundamental goal of APIs is to be invisible building blocks. So whether it's a telehealth application or an education application or a finance application or an insurance application, people come to APIs because they're saying, well, part of my application's got to talk to the customer. And uh, I don't want to work out how to do video or voice or WhatsApp or SMS. And I certainly don't want to work out how to do all of those if I need to uh, mix it. So I come to the APIs and then I embed it in my application. And those people, they're building businesses. They're, they are as you say, independent businesses going to market um, with their applications that just happen to embed our APIs. Uh, but now they're saying, well, in my application, I need to be smarter, right? How do I start to add AI? And I'm busy, uh, you know, if it's an insurance use case, I've got all this insurance stuff, I've got workflows, I've got screens, I've got apps. Uh, but now in the chat, I want, uh, I want to understand what the customer is saying or in the voice call, that maybe comes from the application. Um, before I route it to a contact center, I want to have a conversation, I want to make decisions, then our AI technologies just add on to their existing API use and say, okay, now I can make those conversations smarter. I, I like to think that, you know, if the other end doesn't understand you and can't talk, then it's not much of a conversation. So if you really want to move to this world of two-way conversations, you necessarily have to start injecting more smarts, more AI. And that's the tools we want to provide to our, our app builders who are builders of their own applications. And as Amita has pointed out, they have plenty of things to worry about. And they don't want to worry about how do I get AI in? Where on earth do I start? We want to say, well, you just start here with a tool that you can already be using to build flows. But now you want to do MLU, you want to make some decisions. That's all in there. And it's a very incremental approach. APIs are very, as you've said before, pay as you go, incremental um, get started and then incrementally build. Hmm. And I think there's huge value in that, especially for those that can utilize APIs and got the skills to do that because it really lowers the barrier to entry as far as costs concerned for getting started with conversational AI. I think one of the barriers for some, not necessarily, it is a barrier, but it's like the perception of that you need a full technology platform and you need to buy it up front and pay a license for it 
and then pay a bunch of professional services on top of it just to get a, a pilot out the door is kind of like it can be a real barrier financially whereas the value of the the api driven approach and the kind of pay-as-you-go sort of approach is that you can test yourself you can learn yourself you can start really small you can test use cases internally doesn't really cost you much at all you could even put something live to a customer and run a proof of concept and it really won't hit the bank because you're not going to put loads of volume behind it and so there's definitely i think merit in 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 terms of those getting started in trying to automate using that kind of tool set i think is absolutely perfect um what i'm kind of curious about is that you have different levels of um technology when it comes to this this landscape so you've got kind of like the the bare bones which i suppose is a lot of vonage communication apis if you were to you could build a contact center yourself using vonage communication apis you know like that's the bare bones approach you can assemble whatever you want to assemble and have full control over everything you want to build um in the middle of that you've got kind of more of a, a platform approach which is everything's already kind of pre-built and you just configure it um which sounds a bit like the ai studio drag and drop low code easy to use you don't have to get really under the hood and then at the other or the far end of the scale you've got like out of the box use cases pre-built assistance you know pre-built language models that kind of stuff curious about kind of like I would say that AI Studio is maybe is into in the realms of being a similar thing to like a Cognigy or something like that, you know, like a drag and drop kind of visual flow builder. Maybe it's a Google Dialogflow CX mm -hmm. is is a similarity. What do you think that, or what do you in in building this thing out for the last kind of three years? What are some of the things that Vonage AI Studio does that? either makes things easier you don't have to name platforms but like what 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 does the ai studio does that's either solving something different that other platforms haven't yet solved or what is it that you would say is like this is the reason why you should use the ai studio versus another platform so to speak if that makes sense no makes uh, it, it makes perfect sense right so as you mentioned there are uh, different levels at which we have um uh, we provide solutions, right? So again, I think it's not very different from if you look at any um, APIs that we provide. So we have power users, so users who are very excited uh, to build on our platform. So these these uh, these users are essentially have that uh, developer genes in them, and they uh, actually come and use their. Um, development skills, language skills to build, uh, take our APIs and build something really, really innovative, right? So that's one set of developers. And now um, AI Studio is actually democratizing it. So if you are a developer or a non-developer or a business user, you can use this. Uh, and then as, as you mentioned, right, there, there are uh, customers who don't want to do all this, right? So they want to focus more on their business case. And if, um, they need support, we provide them with professional services, managed service packages, so that they can um, just come to us, we build the conversational flow for them, and we maintain them as well. However, I think what I, I see and what we have seen over years is uh, these are not siloed, right? So we might have customer who really wants to come in and do a POC, Right, and they would go to the AI studio uh, very quickly. They uh, build something, and they see that this is actually adding a lot of value over and above uh, to what they provide to their customers as their solution. And then, in order to uh, push it into the production level, where uh, the dynamics of having a production level service is very different from dynam dynamics of having a, a quick PLC, right? They might. Uh, find themselves restrained in terms of uh, people or processes or even skills uh, to maintain and manage something. So they can move from um, the development mode to a more of having uh, working with us on a managed services mode, right? So I think we see some of those customers who are not just in, in that realm, but who want to have the flexibility of moving from building something really at, at a core API level, having that 
control to maybe having uh, a, you know little easy things to uh, do something very quickly to moving to a more managed service level so that's one set of customers and the other set of customers and these are the customers that uh, that are already using our apis right so uh, these are the customers who have uh, who have been in the oneage ecosystem they are used to uh, the oneage uh, at the api level uh, and they are using one or more of our apis um, so they they really want to come in and um, it's a natural extension for them as well right to to use ai in their conversational flows and that's where they prefer they could go and get a third party tool uh, ai tool and integrate uh, a third party ai tool in their uh conversational flow but it makes more sense for them to uh really use the uh, same kind of self service interfaces uh same dashboards uh, that they have been using for all other apis and similar kind of um uh pricing model uh the the statistics reports it makes things much much easier uh for our developers right and um, i think third uh, category of customers i think customers are, who are building everything new uh i think even from that perspective uh, the customers who are building everything new they look at what is that end to end um uh platform that uh, a vendor is providing and we provide different channels so if if i'm a, a business let's say if i'm a restaurant business and i start with a, a similar a small sms channel and i want a quick chat bot then i my needs grow i i bring in voice as well and i want a voice bot so as my needs grow is there a vendor who can provide uh, me with all the other capabilities not just from the channel perspective but also from the ai perspective so uh and and that's the second reason and again i think there are aspects when you go at the enterprise level there are aspects of privacy sharing of data integration and i think most enterprises have very very strict requirements on how do you share data between uh, different uh, third parties and how do you maintain uh, that data integrity and so on right so we have already solved some of those key enterprise capabilities in terms of uh, data security language support and compliance across uh, our apis and i think that's again um, a natural extension uh, of Uh, providing that capability to our customers on the ai side as well so i think if you if you look at just one set of developers who are looking at uh, these ui tools uh, to develop something quickly they have definitely have a choice uh, but oneage brings that a uh, huge ecosystem of apis and the flexibility of pricing because uh, again uh, it's an api right so you you use a small amount of uh, voice apis and you can use uh, a smaller amount of ai in terms of traffic so the flexibility and models in terms of pricing and also that wide variety of help right whether you want really uh go deep dive your power user or your uh, business user so i think that's where we we bring in that differentiation into the market mm. that makes sense um so i suppose one of the values as well as the of a of a low code solution although you have you know capabilities that are um i suppose you need a certain skill level to to be able to utilize but for conversational ai to really kind of ramp up as far as adoption's concerned and for it to really penetrate the enterprise and start really kind of automating things at scale things need to be available and usable by more people within the business and not strictly kind of technical folks and something like that so i'm wondering whether maybe Lawrence you might be able to share a little bit around some of the philosophies on the approach to democratizing some of this stuff because i know that the ai studio is straightforward to use it's it's you know low code how are you how are you thinking at vonage about enabling uh broader accessibility to some of that tooling um i think we look at it in terms of sort of levels of skill required right are you are you programming and are you a a programmer who understands things or are you more of a a sort of designer um i think we take the view that um we don't fully believe that uh 
you know, the average business person without any kind of technical or design skills is magically going to create, um, you know, good experiences. We expect there to be somebody with design skills, um, but they shouldn't need to know how to code things, wire things up, get things working with voice or, or, or WhatsApp. And they shouldn't really, you know, once, once they have an intent model, they're building flows and they're trying to sort of work out, well, what was the intent? What do I do with that? Um, but there is a, t a level of sort of what I would call technical design skill in building conversations. And as Amit has been saying, we can help jumpstart that. We have, you know, conversational AI designers on staff for our contact center customers. We build the whole experience end to end. But for an API customer, maybe they just need a little bit of consulting, a little bit of advice that we might provide. Uh, but we're expecting that they have some of those kind of design skills or can come up to speed in those design skills. And they're obviously building it for the ultimate business user. But I'm, I'm personally not a believer that the, you know, the high-end business user is simultaneously, uh, you know, an experienced designer. They're thinking in terms of how does this flow, what makes sense, what's efficient, um, and so forth. But you don't want to be having to write code and you don't want to have to work out how to wire up all the communication channels you want that all in the tool. So, I mean, I think that's mm -hmm. how we we view it's bringing the level up and but making it possible for people who are thinking in terms of experience design. Mm, definitely. The um the I suppose some of the um I wouldn't say trends probably the wrong word, but some of the things that contribute to um what is i think a lot of people understand that there's a lot of bad experiences out there a lot of poor chatbots a lot of you know things that don't don't work i literally saw one the other day um and it was kind of like it said something like welcome to such and such how can i help you i can help with this or that and it was a picture online someone just said that like whatever the second option was but ever so slightly rephrased it wasn't even barely rephrased it was just ever so slightly and the message that come on the return was it wasn't it wasn't even oh sorry didn't get that it was a complete rep repetition of the first message and i had the exact same experience when i tried to rebook a delivery of a bed the other day called up this number in fact i could probably show you it i've got my phone on me uh i called up this number and i said uh it, the, the assistant said welcome to your automated assistant um if you if you want to try our new uh you know name recognition service press two uh if you want to um do something if you know the extension of the number you want to dial dial it now and if you want to speak to an agent press zero so i press zero and it said i'm sorry we can't transfer you right now Welcome. I'm your automated assistant. It went straight back to the beginning of the whole conversation. It was like, oh my God, what? This isn't even conversational AI. This is just an a really, really poorly designed IVR tree. And so, with so much sort of out there, which has been built on people's, I suppose, lack of understanding, certainly a lack of design thinking and customer experience design thinking and UX design thinking in all of these kind of implementations, there's, there's almost like a, um, a, I don't know. Some of the some of the platforms have different approaches to helping people and 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 you know onboarding people and all that kind of stuff. But I'm curious about as you've been working on this platform for you know three years or so, in the development of that, what were some of the like stumbling blocks that you noticed were leading to poor experiences and the kind of things that you've had to kind of overcome in building this kind of uh, Vonage AI studio. But I'd be interested to get both of your kind of thoughts on that. Amitha, what are your kind of like observations over the last few years? Of, like, some of the big stumbling blocks that you've had to help work through. Yeah, so I think uh, the first and foremost is, um, as you said, the conversational design, right? So you need uh, to, as Lawrence was pointing out, right? So essentially developers need not be designers, right? So you need people who need to design that conversational flow. And we have seen that, and, and that's the reason we have a conversational design team who can go to our customers and they can provide that service to our customers and essentially walk them through on what are the key things that you have to do if you have to implement a conversational design, right? And that's one aspect of it, right? How do you design the conversation? And the second aspect of it is also, if you look at it, right, so each, domain is very different, right? So if you are 
in, in going to a, a retail store and you're buying something, the kind of message that comes up and the kind of flow uh, that goes in there is, is has to be defined a little differently than if you're going to a doctor uh, and asking for an appointment or if you're going to an insurance uh, website and asking for uh, help there, right? So in addition to the designing of the flow itself, I think it's also uh, the need for uh, either having uh, the business leaders or subject matter experts, if you will, uh, a combination of that, right? Uh, provide an input into what is what does the domain need in, in order to have a better flow experience, right? And uh, a combination of that will definitely lead to a better uh, flow design. And the second aspect of it is really taking the feedback, right? Because uh, if you, you can't expect to have a chatbot, uh, roll out a chatbot and that perf perform perfectly, right? You might want to have a chatbot for routine tasks first and then see what are the other questions that your customers are asking, right? And take that feedback and, and put it and give that feedback back to your designers who can really combine that three different angles to it, right? The, how, how would the natural uh, design thinking process would be? What are the other things that our customers are asking? And what is that healthcare needs, right? Is, the, is that empathy? Uh, because healthcare, probably if you say, or, or even in insurance, right? If I go and... Um, uh, and go to the chatbot and say, I want to have that claim. I want to file a claim. Uh, I think if if it says, hey, you know what? Are you are you okay? Are you in an accident? Or something like this will build that empathy and uh, will give uh, the kind of human touch, right? Because how much ever automation you want to do, people are actually looking for that human touch, right? So that's one aspect to it. And then the second aspect that you have to think really is, uh, would you have it as a totally automated service or was, is it in a combination of uh, automation and a human, right? A bot and a human, a hybrid approach. Uh, because more so, I, I think more bots that I've seen, uh, I get so frustrated. I'm like, how do I even uh, get to a human now, right? <laughs> and and there have been instances where I've typed all sort of combinations, right? Uh, I want a representative, assistance, human, and nothing came out of it. So I think it's, it's also the combination of... Um, uh, having that human uh, and and the bot uh, in 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 co collaborate and correlate uh, that data, uh, and and finally, I think it's it's really also the feedback, right? So feedback that will go into the training uh, of um, building that new entities, new intents, uh, and creating that overall experience. So I think those probably, in my view, are uh, key things that you have to keep in mind while you're designing uh, experience. Mm. What about you, Lawrence? What are some of the sort of like key challenges you've seen teams um, kind of come up against? So, so I'd like years? to take a little step back to frame it and look at the different people who are our customers. So at mm. one end of the spectrum, you have enterprises and providers, um, often whom who have contact centers or self-service that they want to automate. Uh, but the other end of our spectrum is the, uh, is the digital natives, the startups who become unicorns, who become leading tech companies. Um, and they see themselves in the business of building experiences, right? I mean, the Uberization or the disruption of any industry is usually fundamentally about, I'm going to change the experience, I'm going to change the process, and by that, I'm going to seize the value out of this market. So I think the enterprises of the world, the businesses, the people who are building these bad experiences, they need to see themselves as being in you know, an experience competition with the best out there. I think the pandemic has meant that consumers have become very expert. They know exactly which interactions work. You know, why is it that Amazon can deliver fresh vegetables to my front door better than my local supermarket, right? Um, you're competing with everybody in the market. And if you as an enterprise say, well, we're going to save some money by putting a bad bot in front of everything, then you are going to lose the experience war, right? It's not just that you're frustrated you're not going to go back to that company, right? The studies that we've done, we do surveys globally, um, is that people are even more frustrated than they were. Um, and uh, we were talking about it with an analyst and we summarized it in one word, you know, still, 
We're still <laughs> delivering these bad experiences and we expect customers to stay. Customers are saying they're not going to stay, right? Uh, if I have a choice, I'm going to move. So in order to get I'm suggesting a sort of a long way to get a better experience is take it seriously. And if you don't take it seriously, you are going to lose business. And our customers who are very intent on building the best experiences for insurance, right? The, the insure techs, the health techs, the fintechs, the ed techs, whoever they are, uh, they will come and eat your lunch if you're not focused on better experiences. If people deliver the kind of experience you had, then the next time you're out looking for uh, a customer, uh, sorry, a vendor, you're going to be saying, well, maybe this new, you know, insure tech or fix my car tech company is going to do a better job. And lo and behold, these innovators will do a better job. So I think all enterprises need to make the investment in what we were calling sort of designer or rather customer experience thinking. Um, mm. And just a suggestion for enterprises, something that's striking me is we sell to these two audiences and often at the same company, but they don't necessarily talk to each other. So if you're on the contact center floor, dreaming about better customer experiences, maybe you should go down to the basement and talk to your developers who are busy building your apps, your products, uh, new things, and are not talking to you and don't even know there's a contact center. So even internally, you're not fully leveraging the resources you have if these different parts of the organization, right? The developers certainly don't report to the contact center manager and the contact center doesn't report to product, you know, but are you even talking to each other? Are you leveraging those skills? And do you see the customer experience is the foundation for competition in the post-pandemic economy. And if mm -hmm. you're not making that investment, then you'll be quite happy delivering bad experiences that you experienced, and that's not going to be good for you. Why is it that some companies seem so content at delivering poor experiences? I've I've moved banks. This is no lie. My personal bank, I moved banks three times before I found the bank I'm with now. Happy to say I'm with Monzo now. I will happily do a plug because uh, if you have good experiences, you'll tell two people. And if you have bad experiences, you'll tell 10 people. So here's me telling the 10 people my bad experience of Metro Bank for, the, for my business. I moved house about 12 months ago. I updated my address in the app 12 months ago. Uh, every time I get a statement, I look at it and it always has my old address on it. It's been something I just thought was a glitch. Uh, anyway, I had to. I was moving my phone contract from my personal to the business. I had to provide proof of address. So I goes into the bank, go to the section where I updated my address. I saw that there was address updated. So I went to generate a statement and my old address was on there. So I called the bank and no lie, I was on hold for about, I would say, a good 20 minutes. The level of verification I had to go through just to speak to somebody about my account was frightening. I genuinely forgot almost everything. I had to, I had to trawl up old emails from uh, 2018 with my customer reference number on it. <clears throat> Honestly, it took me about 15 minutes to get through security. Then finally, I gave the person my new address and they said, right, okay, your statements will be sent to that address, but to get a proof of address for where your bank is registered to, you'll have to speak to your business account manager. And I was like, what? So you're telling me that I've just spent the last 40 minutes on the phone, waiting to be get on the phone, waiting to get through the ability to be able to actually speak to you on the phone. Now I finally spoke to you and done the transaction. I've only actually done half of the transaction. And apparently I have to go and speak to my business advisor. So like, basically, if he'd have just transferred me, that would have been fine. You know, worst case scenario, transfer me to them immediately. So it's like, and I am now actively moving bank from Metro Bank to another bank, likely Monzo, but somewhere else. Because exactly what you've just said, Lawrence. But why I, is I, that? Why well, is it? I, some, I, I like um, to call this your investing to annoy your customers because it's not actually cheaper. Right, the amount of time you spent there with different people, quite apart from it being your time, you know, was thousands of dollars of expense. So they're spending more money to do it badly, and mm. they're annoying you in the process. So they've decided to invest their money in annoying you and losing you as a customer, and that just seems like a poor investment to me. Um, and uh, what you're also seeing there, which is something that we think is very important is the interlock between AI and the experience in the business process, right? These things have to sort of fit together um, because half of your problem there was not so much the experience, the interface, um, it, although you spent way too long on it, it was that the business processes are not interlocked with the experience. And that's where 
you know, the new banks, the competitive banks, the the digital banks will will take over. I, I've hated my bank for a long time, and I moved. Um, the only downside is I no longer get to go to conferences and talk about how much I hate my bank. Um, but uh, um, you know, you these businesses will go out of business. Um, sometimes we're asked, well, why do I need APIs? You know, are they important for enterprises? Well, is it important to stay in business? Is it important to have experiences that are going to keep your customers? Because you are in a very competitive market now. Everybody is coming into your space. Tech companies are coming in. The tech, the small companies are coming in. Startups are coming in. Um, uh, digital transformation is essential because your competitors don't see it as transformation. They see it as disruption. They see it as they're going to transform your business all right by taking it away from you. So if companies that realize that will focus on experience and will try and fix those back-end processes and organizations that don't will lose customers, uh, lose profitability and will go out of business. So, you know, uh, um, evolution, capitalist evolution will, will take its, take its toll. And, but that is the imperative for businesses and why AI and tools for AI and integration are important because you're competing with experience. Experience is at least as important as whatever product you happen to have. And if it's a bad experience, you're not going to retain customers. And it's costing you more. You're investing in losing them. Mm. Investing in losing customers. That's probably what you should have called this episode. <laughs> People are investing heavily in losing customers. <laughs> which is just mental, isn't it? It's absolutely mental. I mean, a lot of it is like, a lot of it is sort of, I suppose, cultural is one thing. Businesses that don't really move very quickly, businesses that are very set in their ways, there's a big status quo kind of situation going on. Um, and I suppose distraction is another. Sometimes people are so busy distracted fighting fires that they forget to realize that actually if they just walk away from the fire and build a new camp over there, it would actually be a lot better. Or if they just stepped away for a moment and tried to think of a better way of controlling the fire, then they would you know, be in a better place because of it. Um, and so a large part of, of well, there's, there's so much to it uh, in terms of this digital transformation stuff, but a large part of getting it right is developing a culture based on constant feedback, starting with a customer-centric lens, basing everything on the front end, especially around the customer needs, architecting your back-end processes to reflect what is required on the front end to deliver that customer experience, and then constantly taking data from the front end and iterating the back end in accordance to that and also the front end. So like, it's, there's a big kind of culture needing to be developed, which is all about taking data in, analyzing it, making a decision, making a change or iteration, taking that data in. Did it make a difference, yes or no? How can we keep improving? And so you alluded to it earlier on, Amitha, in terms of the analytics components. And when it comes to a conversational interface, one of the huge value uh, adds, or not even a huge value add, it's part of the core value of a conversational interface, is that unlike a website where you're just guessing what people actually want, people are actually telling you what they want. <laughs> and that's all they are doing. So how does how do you approach that kind of analysis concept taking data from the front end understanding it and making it useful for people to make decisions on i wonder if you can shed some light on how the analytics side of things works sure sure so essentially i think one of the things that i wanted to add to to that discussion and sort of bring it uh, back to your question is uh, i think we've talked about the backend processes and the need to improve the backend processes uh, I think one of the things that really, one of the biggest mistakes that many companies also do is the due to the urgency, right? Because they've seen their competition uh, get into the whole digital uh, transformation business and uh, they they want to be in that space as well. So they, they just extend uh, their existing processes uh, to deliver the new technology. And, and that's a, a big no-no, right? So uh, I think the when when you are uh, when you are transforming yourself into a, a digital customer experience, you you just can't have um, the old system and the new system running together. I mean, of course, there are some ways where you have to put put some hooks to make sure everything flows well. You have uh, you don't uh, make your customer feel that gap. But I think that's one of the things. And 
that also falls into this discussion because when you think of analytics, right? So if you have, um, let's say, if you have traditional telephony system and your calls are being processed, recorded, uh, and they are analyzed in a different system, whereas now with chatbots, you are getting different kind of data and that's at a different place. So if you have to really uh, bring that experience together for a customer, then you, you don't have the right kind of data, right? So you're, look, you're looking at two discrete kind of data sources uh, and, and bringing them together. So I, I think that's one uh, aspect of uh, disconnect that happens. But I think uh, just in terms of uh, analytics itself, I, I agree that it's very important for um, for us to bring that uh, together whenever a customer is asking for something in the chatbot. Uh, so we bring in different uh, kind of, so we, as I said, different modalities, right? Whether it's text uh, or voice. And again, there are different aspects to text and voice because text is structured data, voice is typically unstructured data. So I think we need to keep all these in mind. But I think bringing out the intent uh, out of all the uh, conversations that happen, uh, whether it's um, a chatbot, whether the conversation starts off as a, as a chatbot, a customer is asking for something, the bot responds to something. I think extracting that intent uh, and and making sure that intent and context is carried over uh, across different channels is is very important and and that sort of brings in the analytics aspect as well because you know what the customer is doing you know the intent of the customer you know the context of the customer and and we bring that back into um, uh, across the board what the customers are doing uh, and and typically we have different reporting uh, structures as well so we have um, uh, typically things like for, for our customers, especially if they are using uh, our studio platform, we have custom tags on how the flow has gone from one API to another, uh, which uh, flow was successful, which flow was a failure. So if, if it, ha which flows have gone from a, a chatbot to a human agent, I think all this data uh, uh, is, is actually the transactional data uh, along with uh, the intent data will actually bring together uh, the whole picture of what has happened and, and the analysis around that. Mm -hmm. And if you have uh, the third party aspects to it, right, whether it is if you are connecting to a CRM and getting some CRM data. Uh, so I think that that is also uh, something that customers might want to look at. Right. So how do I now leverage and reconcile different real time aspects of the data that we get from uh, the bots and the voice and the video and so on and the non-real-time data that we get from the CRM uh, and the different aspects of the transactional data and how do I build my customer profile. I, I think that's the responsibility of uh, the developers and the customers on how they build that profile and, and take it forward. Mm. I think part of what we're saying here is that this is more than just the AI moment. We, you were talking about skills uh, earlier, that this is a commitment to digital transformation. And I wanted to make some suggestions for mid to large organizations about how to do that in terms of what we see. So we, we see some organizations building innovation labs. You know, they're small labs. Uh, you bring in a bunch of people who are going to focus on this. Uh, that's where proof of concept, quick proof of concept, getting things out, you know, building on a platform like Vonage where I can be essentially in production with a proof of concept, at least testing it. I can be, uh, all digital channels lend themselves to A-B testing. You only got to deliver it to a slice of people and see what happens. Uh, so build yourself an innovation lab. Um, I think most mid to large enterprises are relying on platforms. Um, so there's some platform, whether it's a health platform or an insurance platform, a finance platform, an e-commerce platform, put massive pressure on the platform. Uh, spend a little bit of time going to investigate the coolest startup in the space and then go to your platform provider and say, I think I'm moving to them. Um, and force your platform provider to help you build uh, experiences into the platform. So we talk about some of our customers are the startups, but some of our customers are the platforms in each industry who are saying, 
we need to be the ones that help the enterprises build the experience. So if, you, if you're not on a platform that's helping you do that, I think you can apply pressure on them uh, to, you know, what are you doing? What are you creating? How are you going to put AI in the experience? How are you going to do it for me? Um, and you can threaten them with the startups and the barbarians at the gates and, and say, you know, well, why can't you do what they're doing? And, and that for us, you know, from our perspective is fine. We want to see this technology embedded in the platforms that people use. We want to see the technology uh, built by startups who are showing what can be done. And we want the enterprises to, to do some of it themselves. We've seen a few enterprises spin out their innovation labs and turn them into startups. So they say, okay, these, these people want to be independent. I'm going to fund them with the first big contract and they'll be able to say their first big customer is me. Um, but I want them to go off and be innovative, but for me on my terms, right? I'm going to help drive uh, where that goes. So these are all organizational elements. So how do you organize around innovation? How do you organize around transformation in order to take advantage of the tools? And I think perhaps a you know, something we're learning from this conversation is, is it's not just about the AI and the tools. It's about the, uh, the focus on experience. It's about the design of, of, of proper experiences and the organizational and transformational approaches you put around it that will ultimately lead to success. Hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's what it's all about, to be honest. It's the same as digital transformation more broadly you know uh, the difference here is only that the front end is, is conversational the data is is richer some of the pro the specific processes might be slightly different but still the exact same high level framework of agile iterative development and stuff like that and as all digital transformation programs rely on 110 percent is your people having fostering the right kind of culture and giving them the right kind of tools to do the job and giving them the autonomy and freedom to do it without getting embroiled in the bureaucracy and all that kind of stuff. And so it's kind of, it's the same stuff. But I think that the difference this time is that conversational AI is that it's the exciting part. It's the thing, it's the thing that, it's the thing that hooks people in. Oh, what do you mean? We can just, we can build conversations. We can just have automated conversations. With it's, like, it's like a really exciting factor that then is just a conduit to a bigger discussion about exactly those things that you've just said. You know, who's going to do this? What technology do we need? What is our business process behind the scenes? Who's the customer? What do they need? How are we going to stitch it all together? Our technology, our people, our processes to make sure that everything works seamlessly on the front end. And that front end is the conversational AI bit, but everything else <laughs> is, is, is uh, yeah, it's all about the business, isn't it? Yeah, but obviously don't get stuck in analysis paralysis, right? I mean, take the iterative approach build something that works in a corner of the business, then expand it. Uh, if you just wait for your entire business to be fixed before you do the front end, then uh, you know there'll be nobody out there by the time you get there. So <laughs> we, we, our approach and the Vonage approach, the API approach, is all about iteration, speed, uh, and, and, and getting focused things done. And you know we provide API tools where you can start for free. You can get an account. AI Studio is free. You pay for the for the voice transactions or the NLU transactions, um, you know, you can get started as a, as a development team very rapidly. Wicked. And to do that, I'm imagining that people can go to, oh, there's a code.uk website. I'm in the UK. Obviously it's good to dive it to the code.uk website. Vonage.co.uk forward slash AI. Uh, is where you can get into it if you're in the UK. I'm assuming if I just went to vonage.com forward slash AI, is it going to give me the same thing? Uh, it has vonage.com forward slash AI. There you go. Someone's been working hard on the on behind the scenes of the Vonage website. There <laughs> is there any is there any other specific resources you would send people to? Like is that is that the right place? Vonage.com forward slash AI. Um, it looks like scaling customer experiences with conversational that, AI. That, that is absolutely the right starting point. And anybody who's on the development side can start at developer.vonage.com and and. You know, one of the nice things about APIs is all the documentation is online and available. Every API is downloadable. Um, you can create an account, right? You know, you don't have to talk to us. You don't have to buy anything. You can get started exploring things directly starting bonish.com slash AI or on the developer site. Perfect. Wicked. Well, Lawrence, Amitha, thank you so much for joining us. This has been absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, let's join again in in, a, in another year and a half's time. Maybe let's not leave it that long next time um, <laughs> and see see how things are going, definitely. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And for those that are tuning in, 
Uh, thank you for staying to the end. Voice Summit, you're going to see Vonage at Voice Summit. We're going to do a panel discussion. It's going to be absolutely amazing. We're going to be talking about the future of conversational AI and the future of conversational automation, digital humans and all that kind of stuff and where all that's heading and the practical implementation, uh, practical implement, implications rather of doing that stuff today. Uh, if you want to go to there, go to voicesummit.ai. Uh, VUX20 is the promo code to save 20%. Vonage.ai forward slash, yeah, vonage.com, sorry, forward slash AI if you want to find out more or developer. Is it developer or developers.vonage.ai? Developer, he says. Developer.vonage.ai. Let me just double check. No, no. De- developer.vonage.com is the starting point. De- yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. I keep saying dot AI. Everyone seems to have dot AI domain names, and it's like it just rolls off the tongue. Dot AI. Uh, cool. Developer.vonage.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lawrence. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Jen. you. Okay.